Hi there, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV series, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Talking Dead. This is episode number 29 for November 1st, 2010. And do you know what that means? I do know what that means. It means that the show, at least the premiere, has now broadcast. Of course, it was on the air last night. If you were unaware of that, well, you're probably not listening to this podcast. Probably so not. You know. Everybody out there, I assume, has seen it by now. It seems like a lot of people saw it ahead of time because there were alternate ways of seeing it. But you know what? We've watched it on TV. The world has now had the opportunity to see it, and we have lots and lots to talk about. Lots to talk about. It's very exciting. So should we just get right into a recap of what happened, or should we give a few general thoughts first? Uh, I think we should do the recap and then give some general thoughts afterwards so that uh, we have some context for these general thoughts. <laughs> very good. All right, then. So probably no news this week, but we'll talk about what happens or what's coming up next week. Yep. Um, although there is a lot of news out there uh, the reviews and stuff were just piling up on my uh, on my desk before <laughs> before we started doing this. Your so. secretary is bringing in all the news and putting them on your in your inbox. Yeah, she she was. Your yeah. inbox is full now. Yeah, my three year old secretary. I get her to manage all my email for me. That's a probably a good plan. <laughs> good idea. Eh? Yeah. All right. So let's get right into the episode. It's the first one. We open with a police car coming down the highway to a stop. Um, Rick steps out holding a gas can. And he starts walking through sort of a devastated kind of wrecked area, overturned cars. It looks like there was a camp there. And he's making his way down to a gas station looking for gas. Mm -hmm. Good plan, actually. Good plan. When he gets there, he finds a little uh, zombie girl played by Addie Miller. He doesn't know she's a zombie right away, though. Nor does he know her name. No, I know, but I'm saying the actress is Addie Miller. Yeah. Um, I didn't think we'd see this scene... Right off the top. No, I knew it I. was coming, but I didn't think we'd see it right off the top. Uh, so anyways, he calls He calls out to her, identifies himself as a police officer. She turns around and, well, darn it, she's a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he blows her away. He really does. He, he feels bad about it, though. You could see it in his eyes. You really could. You could see he was very, very disappointed when uh, when she turned around and she was, you know, all mangled and... And and uh, and gross and disgusting and bloody. So right. he, you know, she starts coming at him. He pulls his gun and he pops her right through the forehead. Yeah, she's. Um, uh, I did a count and she's zombie number six that he encounters. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I assume it's number six. I mean, it was out of order, but uh, you know, when he does meet her with uh, all the other ones that he's met, uh, that's uh, by my count number six. Number six, but the first. Child zombie? First child counters. zombie, yeah. So, you know, probably, uh, you know, a little difficult for him to just shoot her in the face like that. Right. Um, were you surprised? I mean, we sort of knew this was going to happen, but were you surprised to see, you know, the first, almost the first thing on screen, a, a child getting shot? And uh, quite violently as well. And it was graphic. Like, she actually, you know, you could see the blood splatter on her head and she fell backwards and it was, uh, it was pretty graphic. Uh, graphic, graphic violence against children. <laughs> Not I was a little surprised to see that level of uh, of violence in that scene. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I knew it was coming, but I I I didn't know we'd get to it so quickly. But they they really don't ease you in. No, they do not. You know, they just get right to it. So after that, we get the opening credits. Now let's talk about them for a second. 
Um, music was cool. It was. Composed by Bear McCreary, I assume. Yeah. Now, how do you think these official opening credits compared to the fan-made comic-based ones from a few weeks ago? You know, this is what I was worried about. I mean, the, the credits were fast. Like, uh, you barely had enough time to uh, to catch the names in, that they were displaying on the screen. They were very, very fast. It wasn't very, very, wasn't very long at all. And uh, I think the fan-made credits, I just, I loved it so much. I agree. I think they were better. I do think they were better. Uh, you know, different style, obviously. Way different style. Uh, the, the, the official ones were just... A lot of shots of empty streets. Yeah. Nobody there, just panning across. Setting the tone of the show. Very much giving you a feel for the desolation and the isolation of everything now yeah. that everybody is gone. And, you know, the, the fan-made ones were just so creative. Such a they great were. use of the comic. And I liked the song and the way he put them together just worked so well. The only problem is that uh, those fan-made credits were pointing towards the graphic novel. And uh, not towards the show. Yeah. Right. So you you can't can't do that. They didn't make any real reference to the graphic novel themselves. No animation. No graphics. That kind of stuff. Uh, so no, they couldn't. I don't think they could be used in the show at all. But I love them. And the uh, the ones that were actually in the show were good. I mean, they were good. It was nice and fast, which I like. Uh, the music I thought was okay, and uh, the imagery was uh, kind of, it did set the tone properly for me. But almost a little too fast, though. I mean, I, I, I wanted to read the names a little bit quicker. I mean, like, I know them all, of course, right? But if you weren't, yeah. if you hadn't been following this show for a year already, you, you might not know the actors, and you might want to read those, and it was pretty quick. I think Joe Public doesn't really read those anyway. Yeah, like, maybe. You know, just kind of filter out the names on the screen, and away you go. Yeah, maybe that's true. I don't know. But then again, you have a show like Lost, like just has that one quick, quick Lost thing. But then they show credits for the next twenty minutes. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so they do. the number of people working on the show. So this, I think that they had to get the. Uh, they wanted them to be fast, but they wanted the names to be there as well. So I think it was a good compromise. Yeah, it's it's almost too bad that those fan made ones were so good because this, no matter what it is, is a little bit of a letdown. Yeah, and I was I was worried about that, <laughs> but still okay. And you know what? They're only the credits. They're not the most important thing in the world. Yeah. Uh, so after the credits, we cut to pre-zombie apocalypse, and we have Rick and Shane sitting in their police car, uh, having lunch, talking about the difference between men and women. Yeah, pretty sexist, if you ask me. Pretty sexist. Did that upset you? Well, it was annoying. I mean, the, the, the actual graphic novel does have sexism in it, in a lot of the women. Until Michonne shows up, uh, the, the, only, the only women in the show are paired off with men. Mm -hmm. Right, there's no strong women. This shot, this scene, sets the tone of a sexist, at least a sexist Shane. I I was going to say it really, really uh, sets up Shane's character quite a bit. It really reveals a lot about him. I thought because he did most of the talking at that beginning part. He did, he did. But the, then Rick says uh, something about you know the difference between men and women. He's talking about the conversation he was having with his wife. Uh, the difference difference between men and women is that he would never say that in front of his kid. And he's referring to uh, you know sometimes I don't think you care about us at all. And he says the difference between men and women is I would never say that in front of my kid. Why is that a difference between men and women? Well, it's it's not really. It's the way he sees it, right? But it's the difference between him as a man and his wife as a woman. Yeah, it's individual thing. It's not men and women. No, you're right. Uh, yeah, anyway. it's it's it, you're right. It's it kind of was expanding it into a, a greater scope than it needed to be. Yeah, that bit. Anyway, I think Shane is sexist, <laughs> and that's fine, and it sets the tone for him. But I just don't think it should necessarily set the tone for the show. The important thing to take out of that conversation, though, was that 
Rick and Lori's marriage was not going so well. No, it was not. They're in trouble. They, you know, they seemed to be having some problems, and it was winding down, for lack of a better word, maybe? Uh, going through a rough patch. I don't okay. know about winding down, but going through a rough patch. Rough patch. All right. So, But that's the big setup point right there. Yeah. So the next thing that happens is they get a call on the police radio to a high-speed chase, and uh, they they turn on the siren and get out of there and, and go to intercept the criminals. Right. So they get there, they lay down the spikes across the road, back up, and then wait for stuff to happen. Yeah. What happens, of course, is what we've seen in many of the trailers. The, the, the bad guys come driving along, being chased by the cops. They flip over, and a gunfight ensues. Um, the thing I noticed here is that even... When the guys, the other police officers were talking, joking around about being on a cop show, yeah, Rick was always a professional. He was, and that actual uh, that quote he had was uh, just make sure you have a round in the chamber <laughs> and the, uh, the the safety off. Mm-hmm. I thought that out of context seemed a little out of place. Like in the trailer, I thought it was a little he's a little too cocky. It's a little too condescending. Yeah, but in the actual context, he is being condescending to a specific individual because obviously he's an ass. He doesn't like them, yeah. which we'll get to more of later. Yeah. And yeah, they're they're joking around in a serious situation, yeah. you know, so, where people could get killed. Yeah. So I, I think it's, it, I was really glad to see that condescension in context was awesome. Out of context, it seemed a little kind of weird. Yeah, so you're I'm right. glad that uh, I got to see that in context. You're right. I think it, I think it worked okay. And you know what? One of the things we worried about here was, was the accents of these characters. Did you, did you have any problem? With their accents? Not really. I didn't really hear the British accent come out, but I don't think it was a southern accent. I think his accent was a little kind of generic and over the, you know, slidey around region, regional, but uh, I don't think, I didn't hear the British no, a lot. I didn't hear the British come through either, which I was worried about. I thought I did the first time I saw those scenes weeks ago. But in the show, I don't know if they, you know, over, if they redid it and they did some well, they a- ADR on it. I don't know. But he sounded okay. It wasn't exactly Southern, you're right, but it kind of was. Kind of. Shane had a great Southern accent. Shane was good. Had a serious one. Morgan was awesome. Oh, Morgan, he was no, he's British too in real yes, life. Yes, he is. So he he had no trouble, but we'll get to him in a minute. Yeah. So essentially, as we all know, there's a shootout. The bad guys come out of their car. Uh, Rick gets shot and we fade to white. Now, the only main difference here, uh, if we want to talk, talk to the comic a little bit, is that Rick is shot once, yep. gets up again, Says, don't tell my wife that happened. She'd worry. <laughs> and then he gets shot again. Yes, in the back. In the back, exactly. So it's kind of, you know, worse to get shot in the back, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> you don't see it coming well, anyway. I, there's no real good place. <laughs> no, that's true. Um, so when he started to get up again and, and, and say, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, everything's okay, I was like, hey, that's that's interesting. But you know exactly what's about to happen. Yeah. At least I did. I did too. So. I figured it out. I thought it was a little surprising that he got up from that. I'm like, that's not. Oh, okay. There's going to be somebody else. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of change that I don't really understand. I mean, I guess it adds a little bit of dramatic tension to it. Well, it also sets the tone that this is going to be different than the comic. It does. Right? It's the first major difference. No, yeah. it's not because we saw them talking in the car before. So, well, that, that's expansion. This yeah. is difference. Okay. Right? So, uh, yeah, I, I think it was important to 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 set the. This is not going to be. The graphic novel. This is going to be something else. He gets shot twice. He gets shot twice. <laughs> Not once. By somebody in the clown car that always has one more person in it. That's right. <laughs> Three guys got out of that car. That's right. After it rolled over like four times. Yeah, 14 times. It was it tipped over quite a bit. <laughs> and almost exploded. And everybody is fine. I'm sure they were all wearing their seatbelts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bad guys always do that. Yeah. 
Okay, so fade to white, and then we fade into the hospital. Now, what we've got here is a shot of what I'm going to call the coma cam. Yeah, coma cam or uh, some kind of drug cam. You know, he was, if he was on morphine, I'm sure your perception of things would be a little off. Sure. So what we're seeing is Rick's perception lying in the hospital bed, his view of Shane bringing him some flowers and <laughs> talking to him about, you know, how everyone's real worried. They can't wait till he gets back to work. And I'm just going to leave these flowers on the bedside table here for you, you know, for when you're, when you're, uh, when you wake up again. Yeah. Next scene, Rick opens his eyes, wakes up and thinks he's still talking to Shane. Yes. And, uh, asks if he's in the, in the John. When he looks over, he notices the flowers are dead. So it had to have been weeks since those flowers were put there. Yes. You know, flowers well, don't, they die quickly, but they don't dry out that fast. They were completely dry and falling off the stem. They were. I don't know how if it takes weeks, but it uh, it takes a while. No, it takes a while because, well, if there wasn't much water in them, it might evaporate quickly. But if there was enough water, it oh, could yeah, take it up take to a long, time. a long time to get that dry. So he's been lying there a long time, completely out of it, doesn't know what's happened, doesn't know what's going on. He he gets up, uh, finds the hospital's abandoned. He kind of stumbles around a little bit, and he finds some matches, which are important. Yep. Because there's not a lot of light in there. He looks down a hall and sees this awesome mangled body. Yes, he does. That was gruesome. It was gruesome. Now, I could, I well, it doesn't matter, but I couldn't decide if whether that was maybe a zombie or if that was someone who was dead and had been eaten I by zombies. I think it was, a, it was a meal. Was that a I meal? I got the impression that it was definitely a meal. Okay. Gross, no, nonetheless. Oh, very, very gross. <laughs> but awesome, too. Yeah. I, I was really impressed with that. He he continues walking around, and he gets to the don't dead open inside door. Yep. And he sees the fingers coming through. Yep. Um, and he, we, does, and he does, does the right thing here. He does the right thing. He does not <laughs> open that door. Yeah. Good boy. <laughs> yeah, unlike the comic where he does, and almost it almost ended right there. But then he does an immediate bad thing. Which is? He goes into the stairwell where it's completely dark. True. He stumbles around and gets into a stairwell. Now, the thing I thought about here is that I think they showed a little bit of restraint here because it would have been so easy to put some zombies in that staircase. He's walking down with a lit match, can't see anything. We yep. get shots of his feet coming down the stairs. I was thinking he's going to step on a hand or something like that, right? Right. But he doesn't, and he makes it through without encountering any zombies. I think it's important. I think that the uh, the fact that he didn't encounter any zombies and the reason he didn't open that door into the cafeteria is that he, until he meets Morgan, doesn't know what a walker is. He does not encounter uh, anything that makes him think that the dead are living. Like, not a single one until Morgan tells him. Because that whole conversation, the beginning conversation with Morgan, jumping ahead here, but uh, he doesn't know what the fuck a zombie is. Yeah. Pardon my language. <laughs> yeah, they don't say the F word on the show, man. No, you're allowed to say You're allowed to swear the same way they do. Okay. Um, so, but I, I just thought it, you're right. That's exactly why, they, I guess, why they did it. But it showed a bit of restraint. I was thinking any other show, they would have used that opportunity to, for a scare. They or yeah. for some some danger, or a cat jumping out and screaming. Well, like for yeah. crying out loud, <laughs> they could have had a cat jump out. I might have no thrown one. the remote at the TV if they'd done that. That's true. <laughs> Luckily, they didn't, and <laughs> yeah. it was good. So he he gets outside out uh, into the loading dock or a parking lot, and it's just full of dead, wrapped up bodies. Dump truck full of bodies. Dump truck full of them. He stumbles around. He he runs into some military vehicles, a lot more bodies, yep. and he gets away from the hospital. So, okay. Uh, there's a point I want to make here. Do it. Uh, 
the fact that he was in a coma for weeks and didn't die, uh, like how did how did he get food and water? Like how did he get sustenance while he was in this coma and didn't die? Now, uh, I was wondering that when he first woke up and the flowers were dead. It's just like, geez, if he'd been lying there for three weeks in a coma, he'd be dead. Well, he had an IV in, so he still had liquids coming into his body. Your body can soak up the IV in a matter of hours. It's That's not going to take weeks and stuff. He still would have dehydrated and died. Mm-hmm. And food, he would have died. But the fact that the uh, the hospital was there with all the bodies and the military uh, vehicles were there with a bunch of peripheral gear means that this area was a holdout base. Right, they were trying to defend this against, uh, all you know, the zombie hordes, which means they were probably taking care of him, even though he was in this hospital for weeks while the beginning of the outbreak was happening and while it, you know, it came to a head, and only after they got completely overrun did they leave him alone. So he probably was only alone for four or five days, at most. At most, and because he was quiet and because there was a gurney in front of his <coughs> door, the zombies never found him. Uh, so most likely, even though he was in coma for a week and, you know, was mostly forgotten about, but somebody was still taking care of him f- until up to four or five days before he woke up. No, you're right. And it would make sense to try and defend a hospital. I yeah. mean, you need medical facilities in this kind of situation. So you're right. They were probably defending it. People were dying, but they were stacking them neatly in the parking garage yeah. or the loading dock. Yeah. Um, so you're right. He was probably by himself only for maybe only a couple of days. Yeah, that's what Because I you're right. Ivy runs out pretty fast, and then you get dehydrated and hungry pretty quickly. Right, and nobody was going to take care of the flowers at that point. They are a little busy for that. So that oh, yeah, the flowers were dead. But I think he was lying in that bed for about a month, about four weeks. Probably Morgan, a while, yeah. Morgan makes reference to a month later in the episode. Right, okay. Um, so what happens? Rick stumbles along. He gets away from the hospital. He's coming down a street, and he sees a bicycle <laughs> uh, lying some distance away from the bicycle with its back to him is what looks like a rotten, legless corpse. Yes. As he picks up the bicycle, it wakes up the rotten, legless corpse, <laughs> and she rolls over to say Hi. Hi. <laughs> Uh, that's his first zombie encounter. <clears throat> that is his first living... Actual zombie-ish. Well, I mean, the fingers that came through the door, that was it could have been anything, right? But his first encounter of like, okay, something's not right here is... Uh, well, obviously something was not right from the beginning, but the first sense of the dead are living yeah. is uh, his encounter with Bicycle Girl. Bicycle Girl, played by Melissa Cowan, who we interviewed a month or so ago. Yeah. She looked... At- gruesomely it awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, like, did, it was a great, great job. Makeup, uh, performance, the whole thing was great. It, it was incredible and just horrifying. Yeah. Like, I, I had a feeling that was going to be, like, the just the most horrific scene in the whole thing, and uh, it almost was. Almost was. So, so he grabs the bike, and he moves on. He gets home to his house. He goes Sorry. in. Yep. Just, uh, his first encounter with, uh, with a zombie is he doesn't do anything. He doesn't kill her. No, 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 because he doesn't understand yet. Yeah, he, he doesn't. So I just wanted to point that out. Like as we go through the zombies that he encounters, it, there's a definite progression here. And the first one is he does nothing. Bicycle girl is number one, and he does nothing. Yeah, but it's because he's he's afraid and of he's course. figuring things out, and he doesn't even realize that. I don't think he realizes she's even undead yet. Yeah, it's pretty evident. I, evident evident but, to the, to us, but I mean, 
in that situation, you might be like, what the crap is going That's on? That's true. I just have to get away from here. It's actually been proven that when uh, when people encounter completely foreign situations, their brain doesn't process it and they don't see it. No, and the very next scene speaks to that because he gets to his house, he finds that Laurie and Carl aren't there, and he has a little bit of a mini breakdown where he oh, collapses yeah. on the floor and he says, he questions if, if this is all real, and he and he wants himself to just wake up and get out of this. That scene was excellent. I think he did a fantastic job in that scene. He that did a really powerful. good job. It was very powerful. Really good job. So he walks outside, sits down on the front steps, and he watches uh, a man come walking down the street a little bit. Yep. While he's doing that... Dwayne sneaks up behind him, <laughs> and just as he turns around, smacks him in the face with a shovel. Right. So that's his second encounter with the zombie. And what <laughs> yep. he does, he waves. Hi. He waves. <laughs> he well, waves that's up. what I'm saying. He doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. And he's still trying to make contact. Yeah. He's not thinking, oh, my God, I'm in danger. He probably has an idea. Right. But he's just thinking, oh, good, here comes somebody else. Maybe they can help me. I'm trying to figure out if, uh, if Dwayne was a lefty or a righty, because he swung that shovel lefty. Right, like he went through the ha- the the uh, the trouble of hitting him in the face with the shovel, like as if he was left-handed. But I don't. I, I meant to follow up on this by watching it again or watching the scene for it. But I think that he's a righty, which makes that a con- that kind of thing a little awkward. But I'm just nitpicking. Here. You know what, though, you can swing a shovel any which way you want. Yeah, but if I was going to swing a shovel and I I meant it, I would swing right-handed. It's true. It's true. Anyway, it's true. You're right. Um. So there. So then, what happens? We have. Uh, Rick sort of starting to pass out on the ground. Uh, Morgan runs over, and they realize that Rick was alive because he was speaking, and the zombies don't speak. Not really. And they question him about what his bandage is for and whether he got bit or not. They're worried about him turning into a zombie, obviously. Right. So Rick passes out. In the meantime, Morgan and Dwayne take take him inside, tie him to a bed, and change and clean up his wound. Then they spend a little bit of time talking about, again, the, the the wound, you know, making sure he hasn't gotten bit, chewed, scratched. <laughs> nibbled or, on. Or nibbled, anything like that. Yeah. And Morgan eventually shows him his knife and says, if you try anything, I'll kill you with this knife. And then he unties him. Yep. And says, come on out of here when you can. So I think Lenny James did a fantastic <clears throat> job as Morgan. He was amazing. He really did a good job. I'm sorry to see him go. Right, and I hope he comes back in the second season. I hope they change things so that he comes back in the second season. Well, I'm wondering if he'll come back sooner than that because I was thinking the same thing. Man, he's he's so great. I love him already, and he's just going to be gone. You know, Rick's going to move on, and he stays here, and we're not going to see him anymore. So I really do hope that they expand his character uh, sooner than they would in the comic. You know? Yeah, he's in one episode. Well, in, as IMDb <laughs> has him in one episode. That's a bummer. It really is. So this, Rick spends a little bit of time talking with Morgan and Dwayne, and it's Morgan really who explains what's going on. Yeah. He tells Rick about the walkers. He tells, he sort of gives him a rough timeline of what's happened. You've been asleep for a month. I, and he says, I know this sounds all crazy if this is the first you're hearing yeah, it. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, yeah, no kidding, exactly. While they're sitting there talking, having some food, a car alarm goes off outside. So they look out the window, and there are lots and lots of zombies, including Morgan's dead wife. Yes. Who died there in that home while they were holed up. In the bed that they tied uh, Rick up in. <laughs> was that the same bed? Yeah, well, he said in, in the, the other room. In the, yeah? Yeah, so I think it was the same room that uh, that Rick was tied up in. So Morgan and Dwayne kind of retreat into the house a little bit to 
you know, be with each other. And Rick continues looking out the window and eventually out the peephole in the door because she walks up to the door and starts fiddling with the knob. She's obviously got some residual memory of where she last was as a living person. Yeah, I think that they set that up rather nicely. Yeah, they set it, it, it was, um... It was set up a couple times in the episode, I think, Mm -hmm. here and once or twice more as well. Uh, Morgan says that he should have put her down, but he didn't have it in him. No. No kidding. Uh, So the next morning, they walk out of the house, and Rick, first thing he does is smash a zombie in the head with a baseball bat multiple times. Practice. Practice. It's like, okay, there's a zombie out there. You need to deal with it just to get some idea of uh, what you're dealing with. Here, put this on so you don't have any splatter in your face. So he puts on a face guard. Yeah, so is Morgan's wife zombie number three and that one zombie number four? No, this is zombie number three. Like, uh, I'm saying encounter as in, uh, you know, that horde of zombies I wasn't really counting. This is, you know, personal interaction with a zombie. So this is number three. This is number three. he wastes them. Yeah, he wastes it. By this time, he he knows what's going on. Well, he feels sick, too. Like, I just bashed a human in the head with a baseball bat. Good Lord. Oh, it would be tough to do, even if they're undead, for me. Uh, So they go next door (coughs) into Rick's house, and Rick figures out that because the drawers are empty, they took clothes and they took... uh, photographs too. Yep. So he figures that Lori and Carl are still alive somewhere. Yeah. They weren't killed, they fled. Yes. Smart. Yeah, good logic. Good investigation skills there, Rick. There, he's a police officer. Yep. He needs that. Dwayne says that they must be in Atlanta because that's where the government said to go and that's where the Center for Disease Control is. Yes. Which is interesting because I don't think that was ever mentioned in the comic book. No. They just said go to Atlanta because we can defend a city. Yep. We can't defend little towns all over the place. Interesting that they brought up the Center for Disease Control. I wonder if that will play a bigger part in it, this season. It could. I have a feeling it might. Mm. So they head to the police station to get some supplies like guns and cars and ammo and stuff like that. When they get there, they realize that the showers still work, so they have a really, really jubilant shower. Yeah, they really enjoyed showering together. <laughs> they sure did. <laughs> but hey, man, after a month, I would too. Yeah, that'd be good. Whatever. <laughs> they load up on weapons Rick, as they're leaving, gives Morgan a radio so that he can find him later. Yes. I'm hoping he uses that. Yes, and I think uh, when we talk about what's coming up next uh, in the next episode and coming up in the season, there is a possible, uh, you know, D- uh, Morgan and Dwayne are coming. Good. I'm, I'm excited about that. The last thing that happens before they hit the road is that Leon Bassett comes back yep. as a zombie up to the fence Rick says, you know, I never really liked him anyways, but I can't leave him like this. He was the idiot in the at the beginning where he said, make sure you have a round in the chamber and the safety off. He was, and he didn't have the safety off. No, he didn't. he didn't. He didn't have a round in the chamber either. <laughs> so that's uh, zombie number four, and he has no real problems blowing his head off. Not only is it zombie number four, but it's somebody he knew previously too, yeah. which is a different, different situation. It is. He puts that gun right at his forehead and just... Puts him down. The effects were awesome. Did you see the big gaping hole in the back of his head? It was pretty Blood good. Blood spilling everywhere. Blood. He's hanging onto the fence. I liked how he didn't let go of the fence, like we said last week. That yep. was pretty cool. That but was yeah, cool. the blood came out the back. It started to run down the front as he just sort of slowly fell to the ground. Rick turns around, gets in his car, and they leave. Yeah. Now, the next sequence is probably my favorite in the whole episode. Yeah, actually, it is pretty good. They pull out of the police station. Rick goes one way. Morgan and Dwayne go the other way. And what we get over the next few minutes is cutting back and forth between Rick going to do something and uh, Morgan 
going to do something back yeah. at the house. This is the first use of music in the episode. There was no music up until this point, and this at this point between uh, this these two scenes that they were cutting back and forth from, uh, there was a very kind of ominous, uh, low, sad kind of uh, music in the in the background. But this was there was no music up until this point. I don't think there's any music after this point until the very end. But this was Bear McCreary composed music, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. So what we're seeing is Morgan go back to the house and take the sniper rifle that Rick gave him at the police station, go up into the second floor it wasn't and start- a sniper rifle. That was a hunting rifle. Okay, it was a rifle with a scope. It was, yeah. It, it was doesn't a... mean for sniping. That's hunting. Okay, sorry. Sniper, <laughs> sniper rifle is like, uh, you know, a third longer and- uh... I'm not really a gun guy, so to me, for that's a- Sniper rifle. Okay, no, it's not. It's a hunting <laughs> rifle. Whatever. He sits up there and he starts picking off zombies. A couple of nice shots, which is cool. One really, really cool shot where you see from behind the zombie looking back at the house. Yep. And as the zombie's head explodes and he falls down, the camera zooms into the window, which was pretty cool. Yeah, you see the silhouette of the of, uh, Morgan round, uh, putting another round in the chamber. And what I liked about it is it wasn't a perfect camera move it reminded me of firefly a little bit right and yeah. how they had those imperfect camera moves those as are if, great yeah as if the camera was like floating in space sometimes and not always shooting what it should be you know yeah. in here this it was like it was like a zombie was operating the camera and he kind of like pressed the zoom button and it went you know halfway over here and then <laughs> panned back to the window so. shamble cam the shamble cam exactly i thought that was really really well done that was well done uh, ultimately what happens is Morgan's up there and he, his wife comes stumbling around and he wants to shoot her, but he can't do it. He can't do it. Still can't do it. Still can't do it. He tries twice and he can't do it. To contrast that, we have Rick going back to Bicycle Girl to find her. Uh, in the day that he's been gone, I suppose, she has dragged herself partway through the park. Yeah. So he has to walk in to find her. He ultimately does. He follows, she's leaving a trail of <laughs> yeah. gross. Did you see that? I did see the trail. <laughs> she's leaving a trail in the grass of various innards and stuff. Yeah. Just, just slime, let's say. It looked like <laughs> slime or something, yeah. Nasty. It, it was gross. He follows, he follows that. He finds her. She's not much of a threat because she can barely move, can't stand, you know, yeah. can't do anything. He says, I'm sorry this happened to you, and he shoots her through the eye. Right in the eye, zombie number five. Yeah. He just, he he takes her out, but yeah, it was a little crazy to right shoot her eye. right in the eyeball like that. Um, it was a great scene. She splatters, goes down, and is no more. The whole contrast of these two scenes, though, I thought was amazing, because it showed Rick doing what he had to do. Yep. I mean, not being afraid to go and you know, kill somebody, whereas Morgan, granted, it was a little bit more personal for him, yeah. but he couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, he couldn't do it. And a big a big theme in this show is doing what you have to do to survive and, uh, and you know, doing things that you wouldn't do in other circumstances. Yeah. So Rick is learning that he has to, he's, he's got to do what he's got to do. Yeah. And he's got a conscience as well, because he doesn't, <laughs> like, he knows these people are dead and... He doesn't want to leave him like this, so he's actually this, he seeks her out in order to put her down. Yep. Well, it, it was it that was the first one he encountered, right? Yeah. It was. So he goes back. I'm sorry, you. This had to happen to you. He says. Yep. So finally, he gets back in the car and he's going. He's on his way to Atlanta and he's broadcasting on the radio. Now, the inter there was an interesting thing I noticed about this scene is they 
move the camera from shooting Rick directly to shooting his reflection in the yeah, that rear was view mirror. It was weird. It kind of reminded me of a sort of 80s horror style almost. Like, really? Yeah, like kind of weird camera work and you'd see him and then you'd see the reflection and maybe you'd see something in the back behind the car or in the back seat or something like that. It just it felt strange to me. Well, I thought it was just, uh, you know, to get his emotion. They have to shoot his eyes and in order to do that, they'd have to either go in the mirror or change the camera angle kind yeah. of thing. So rather than having a two-shot kind of situation set up, they just did one single shot and they moved it into the mirror. But most TV shows would do two shots. They would. They'd, they'd cut it instead it was an, of... It was an interesting decision. I, I, I didn't feel it was kind of weird, but I thought it was uh, it was different, that's for sure. They did it twice um, when he first starts broadcasting. Uh, in between, we cut to the camp, our first view of yeah. the rest of the survivors in the Atlanta camp, and they hear him on the radio. They do. Run over, pick it up, and uh, but they can't send a message back to him for some reason. For whatever reason. The signal or the connection is just not that good. But then they cut back to Rick and we do that that camera move into the mirror again. So yep. I noticed it because they did it twice, I think. Um, so back at the camp, Shane and Lori start talking and ultimately have an argument about whether they should go out and put signs on the highway warning people to stay away from the city. Right. She offers to do it, but he says, nope, I can't let anything happen to anybody. I'm in charge. Seemed like a bit of a dick leader. He's a chicken shit. Well, no, well, maybe he is. He doesn't want to leave the camps. Like, oh, we're camped out here. We're fine. I don't want to put anybody in danger. Let's just stay right here. I mean, that's important because that's it sets up the whole uh, issues between Rick and Shane about, you know, vying for leadership of the whole thing. But, uh, you know, he's setting him up just like, no, we're staying here. Everybody stays here. We all stay here. Everybody stays here. Yeah, but he seems like a bit of a hard ass to me, I thought. Oh, yeah. He, you know, not a good, not like a friendly leader, kind of a bit of an asshole leader. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Rick do, and- do what I say and like that you do what I say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> do what I say. He, uh, Shane and her and Lori end up in a tent, and he convinces her that it's a good idea, that nobody leaves, yep. and then they start making out. They sure do. So there we have it. It felt there. awkward, though. It did feel a little awkward to me, but that's, be- that's because it's supposed to, I think. I th- that's because I, yeah. we know Rick. We know that's his wife. She thinks he's dead, but he's coming, and we know he's going to get there. And then she's, like, doing it with that other dude. Yeah. And it's at this point, we don't know that that's Lori. Like, nobody said her name. Nobody said Carl's name. At at this very point, we don't know who that is. That is Shane's girlfriend, as far as we're concerned, that doesn't know how to turn off a light switch. Yeah, that's true. And that's then the true. next shot is Rick in the car flipping down the visor, and there's a picture of Carl and Lori. Oh, see, it, I didn't think of it's that. right after this kiss that we learned that this is Carl and Lori. And you're supposed to go, Shane, you bastard. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> if you even noticed. The first time I didn't notice, I was thinking that uh, we never found out through the whole episode who Carl, or whether or not that was Carl and Laurie. But when he flips down that picture, he, uh, you know, it's telling the audience, uh, yeah, that's my wife. Yeah. Seriously. No, that's that. That's that's awesome. Yeah. I, I didn't really pick up on that because I already knew it, right? Going well, in. yeah. Cool. So we cut back to Rick. He runs out of gas. He gets out of the car, walking with his gas tank that we saw at the beginning. And his bag full of guns. And his bag full of it's guns. important to have a bag full of guns. Absolutely. He a lot wa- of good it did him. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. <laughs> he walks up to a house to try to get some gas or find anybody, and he looks in the window and finds that the family has killed themselves by shotgun. Okay, now here's a question I have. I didn't think of this through the whole, like, from the first time we saw this scene. I have a question about it. Who wrote the God forgive us on the wall with what blood? I was wondering that my second time through. Why would you A, write it in blood? 
And B, why would you write it at all? <laughs> and, and who did it? Yeah. I think maybe he must have obviously somehow done it with the gun. You mean to blow his head off and it just he blew magically his head off and it yeah it made splattered. the pattern of gun. Maybe he wrote it in uh, you know cooking oil or something before right. and then the blood just kind of stuck the cooking oil and fell off everywhere else. <laughs> Actually, to do that you'd have to write it. You'd have to cover the entire wall in cooking oil and clean off the spots so that the parts that hit the cooking oil would just slide off. Let's go with that. Uh, yeah, sure. It's just as plausible <laughs> as two people killing themselves and the second person taking enough time going, yeah, he uh, he shot himself in the head there, but uh, I'm going to have to write a message on the wall with his blood. Yeah. That's not disturbing at all. No, not at all. But it's effective. Uh, yeah. In the uh, in the scene, and that dude with half his head missing was effective, too. That was pretty effective. Write it, write it on a notepad with a pen, for crying out loud. Well, yeah. If you want to be forgiven and, you know, as if God can't hear you but can only read messages in English, you write it on a pad of paper. Agreed. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It was effective in the scene and creeped me out. Um, so Rick is affected by that. He kind of stumbles down the stairs, checks the car for keys, not for siphoning gas. I thought that was interesting. I would Maybe think he doesn't to have siphon- a hose. Oh, there's a there's a it's a farm. There's got to be a hose there. I would have thought to siphon gas out. I'd be siph- I'd be siphoning gas from every car I found. Well, that's true. You you never know when you're going to run out. Yeah. Um instead, he sees a horse. Yes, he does. Hops on the horse. He lies to that horse. He walks up to that horse and says, I'm going to Atlanta. There's going to be food. There's going to be people and probably other horses. I'm going to make you a proposition. I'm going to take you there and everything will be fine. Yeah. He, he flat out lied to that horse. Well, he didn't know yet. He wasn't sure. He thought maybe Atlanta would be okay. I don't know. I think he, I think he knowingly lied to that horse. Well, I don't think the horse minded because he got on and he rode off. Into the sunset. Yes, he did. Or at least into the field. Devastated Atlanta <laughs> skyline. That's the next thing we see. The poster shot of him riding into the city with the busy highway going the other way and nobody yep. around. It was awesome. He uh, he gets in there. He's riding around. He's slowly going deeper into the city, and he sees a helicopter. Yes, he does. So what well, a reflection of a helicopter. What the hell was going on with the helicopter? I don't know. That's very interesting. <clears throat> That's certainly not out of the comic. It's definitely new, and it sure indicates to me that there is some sort of authority still operating here. Or somebody with a helicopter. I don't know about authority, but it could be a traffic copter for crying out loud. Well, you know, somebody uh, holed up on a rooftop somewhere that has a helipad and was a helicopter, and they figure they're going to go look around. I don't know. Who, who knows what it could be, but it could very well be just some dude with a helicopter. Not a lot of people know how to fly helicopters. Jack Bauer does. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not in this. No, he's not. Not a lot of... Helicopters are difficult to pilot. Very difficult. Right? They're and, crazy. And so when there's almost no living people left, it's going to be hard to find someone who can fly a helicopter. Now, sure, if you're a pilot and you fly around a traffic helicopter or something... Did you get a look at the helicopter? Uh, it, Only the reflection. It was long, I think. It looked military to me. I don't know. I have to go back. Yeah, we'll we'll check that out again. But the point is he sees a helicopter, which is really, really interesting. So I wonder if we're going to come back to that soon. Uh, yeah, I would hope so. You know, are we going to find out what's the deal there, like in the next episode, or is that going to be beyond this I season? I think you know? that's uh, going to be the last episode in this. I think it's going to be the finale because that's that uh, KR-19 or KS-19 or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. There's a helicopter in the comic, but far, far beyond the first few issues. Hmm. They're already at the prison, right? 
I don't remember. Yeah, they do. They leave the prison. They go to Woodbury, or they go to out the Walmart or something like that to get supplies, and they have to follow. They then they see a helicopter and decide to follow it, and that leads to Woodbury. But hmm. anyways, so interesting that he sees a helicopter, but he doesn't have much time to think about it because at this point he's deep into the city and there's a few zombies around. Yep. He comes around a corner, and there are <laughs> thousands of zombies. Hey, look a horde. Yeah, a horde. So he's out of there. He's getting away, but there's just too many of them. And ultimately, he gets bucked off the horse and ends up underneath a tank. I feel bad for the horse. Like, just the actual horse being mauled by extras. You know, they were the, they were it, grabbing him. And, you know, I know it was a stunt horse, and I know it's trained for this kind of thing, but I still feel bad for the horse. Once it was on the ground, it wasn't a real horse. Though. No, of course not. But right. horses are trained to fall down, right? So obviously the, the horse was trained to fall down. It probably fell down on sand because they didn't show it falling on pavement. But still, I don't know. I just felt bad for the horse. Well... It was an acting horse. It's fine. He knew what he was getting into. Well, they did uh, put a disclaimer at the end of the show that uh, no animals were harmed in the making of this zombie <laughs> movie. Except for show. that one horse. Except for the one horse that the, that they, the extras ate. Yeah. <laughs> so um, when, when Rick comes around the corner on the horse and he sees all those zombies, you know what it reminded me of? Stupidly. What? Han Solo running oh, through the Death Star yeah. comes around ah, a corner. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and there's a huge <laughs> room of stormtroopers, and then he turns around and runs the other way. Which they expanded when they remastered them. You remember that? They added a whole bunch of more yeah, stormtroopers. Yeah. There were like four or five originally, and then they put an entire squadron of them in the yeah. remastered Star Wars. But for some reason, that stupid it, scene it is did what pop it into my me mind. Of. Now that you mention it, that did <laughs> pop into my mind. Anyways, Rick ends up under a tank trying to get away. He's lost his bag of guns, unfortunately. Yes, yeah, he lost his bag. He dropped them. Now something else interesting happens. Mm-hmm. He's shooting zombies, and just before, like just before he ends up climbing into the bottom hatch of the tank, the gun goes to his head, and he says, Lori, Carl, I'm sorry, as if he's about to shoot his head off. Yeah, and then he sees the hatch. Which is, I, I find it weird that it's the first time he saw the hatch. But I I wasn't clear on what was happening here. It seemed almost like <clears throat> we were seeing what he was thinking rather than what he was doing. Why? I don't know. Because I, I don't see him doing that. Like, I, you know, I know he's in a situation where he might not be able to get out of, but still. I was wondering, first of all, I was wondering how he was going <laughs> to get from under the tank to in the tank. Because, uh, you know, in the... In, I don't know if they have those bottom hatches in the Abrams A1 tank, but they might. They very well could. Uh, and I find it weird that he saw the hatch only after he he was already looking up and he already put the gun to his head. He's like, oh, yeah, hatch. So it seemed to me like it was a magic hatch. It, it seemed a little bit like a magic hatch. The whole scene felt off, though, to me. I don't know why. It's It was good. I'm glad he got in there. And then it got awesome after that. But, yeah, it, it was just weird. Like, I... I'm surprised that they, they, if Rick actually did that, I'm surprised that they sort of made him go there. Right. You know, he's supposed to be our really, really strong leader guy. He's not the type of guy who's going to kill himself, even with faced with that kind of unwinnable situation. I you know? think I think that any sane, reasonable person would, because, you know, I'm going to be turned into a zombie, or I'm going to be eaten alive, or both. I'm going to blow my own head off just to save myself the trouble of any of that crap to just not worry about it yeah you know what though it occurred to me while i was watching it the second time there's not a lot of room under that tank and he was shooting zombies and they're just 
lying there, right? Yeah. He wouldn't have to shoot that many around him before there was a buffer of dead zombies around him. How and many? the How other many? ones, I don't know if they'd be pulling them out to get in. Probably not. Right? He would be able to create a buffer zone of corpses. That's assuming <laughs> that he had a magic gun with more than six bullets. Sure. He only had his revolver with him because he left his bag of guns on the ground when the horse got flipped over. That is true. Does that kind of revolver only hold six bullets? Yeah. Well, so that might not have worked He might either. have had uh, a couple of uh, extra you know, rounds in his pockets. Like they have uh, fast loaders that they can mm-hmm. load. Still takes a couple of seconds to load. Uh, but I didn't count the shots, but I think maybe he only shot five. And so he saved the last round for himself. Yeah, which maybe. He, which he went to do. And then as soon as he got in the tank... The first thing he did was pull a pistol out from a apparently dead person. Yes. So yeah. he knew that he was out of rounds at that point. So I think he was completely out. And that last bullet was for him, and he ended up shooting that guy, which was a lurker. Hmm. I think you may be onto something here. You're right. He had one bullet left. He was going to use it, but then he saw the hatch, jumped in. And did he use his revolver on that? Yes. Soldier zombie? Yes, he did. Okay. All right, that that works for me. So now he's got a handgun with uh, like a Colt forty five type thing, some semi automatic. Well, that thing holds like twenty or thirty shots, Nine. right? Nine, nine only. Yeah, they can't make a handgun that holds more than that. Yeah, they sure do. They have those <laughs> things with those extra extended clips, but they don't fit in a in a holster. Okay, as I said, I'm not a gun kind of yeah. guy. I don't know anything about them. Uh, maybe eleven. It's not a lot. <laughs> yeah, they're not really meant for. Uh, they're meant as a kind of a last resort, close quarters kind of thing. They're not really meant for fighting. That's why you have uh, assault rifles, right? Because they're meant, they hold 30 rounds. They're uh, they're meant for actual combat. These things are, are meant for kind of like, okay, the shit is hitting the fan, and uh, I don't have time to load this thing, so I'm going to use this thing. A handgun yeah. is meant for killing one guy. Yeah. An assault rifle is meant for killing lots. That's right. Okay, good. One at a time, but lots. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> so he's in there. Uh, he shoots the zombie <clears throat> soldier that he's in close quarters with. Yep. And <clears throat> he goes deaf because it's really, really, really loud. Really, really loud. When you there. shoot a gun inside a tank. Yeah. Which is good. That's a little. That's one of those little bits of realism that I like in shows. I like that too. I really, uh, I really like that they did that. If this was a Steven Seagal movie, he probably could have emptied forty-five rounds into that zombie inside the tank and not noticed. That's probably true. So I'm glad that was in there. He closes the top hatch, seals himself in, and he's thinking, what do I do now? He, you could tell he's starting to lose hope a little bit because he sort of just like puts his head down on his gun. And then the radio comes on. Well, well, hold on. I want to go back to where he popped his head out of the hatch. And when he popped his head out of the top hatch, uh, it, which is a commander's hatch, uh, he saw his bag of, rifle, bag of weapons mm-hmm. and realized, uh, yeah, those aren't doing me a lot of good over there, are they? They're not helping. He had a 50 caliber <laughs> rifle. Like a machine gun right there. Like like he could have just grabbed onto it, but obviously he didn't know what he was doing. You don't know how to cock that thing, but then he could have like laid waste to a hell of a lot of zombies there, which they might do in the next episode. They might. That might be fun to watch. Uh, but again, doesn't know how to use it. Could be out of ammo anyways. Yeah, might not is. work anymore. A lot, of, a lot of things could go wrong. I mean, if it were me, I probably would have just closed the hatch too. Yeah, and probably. Said, I'm going to sit in here for a few minutes and think about what to do. Now- uh, do you know, have you ever seen the inside of an Abrams A1 tank? Is there really that much room in there? There was no a idea. lot of room in there for him to move around. Well, there was a lot of room for, it seemed like you could fit two or three guys in there, yeah. Yeah, I just, it seemed like there was, if anybody, if any, any listener out there has actually seen the inside of an Abrams A1 tank, let us know if that's actually what it looks like. Yeah, 
I have no idea. Because it just strikes me as uh, there'd be enough room. Because the, the Abrams A1 comes with an auto loader, right? There's no dude loading the rifle. So there's only three guys in there. There's a driver, there's a commander, and there's a gunner, right? Uh, so there's more than enough room for three guys in that tank. There's usually I was thinking that an Abrams would just have three seats, right? And they'd be communicating via some kind of uh, headset or mm-hmm. whatnot. But there seems like an awful lot of room in there with well, a magic hatch in the floor. It's a magic tank. Yeah. It's the, a, what is it, Abrams? Abrams A1. Abrams, maybe it's the A2 with extra room yeah. and a magic hatch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the next one's only going to have two seats because they don't need, probably don't need a gunner at that point. Probably. The thing can, and then they won't need a driver because they'll be able to pilot themselves, those tanks. No, they'll always need a driver. <laughs> you don't want to concentrate on both where you're going <laughs> and where you're shooting. That's crazy. No, I mean, the tank can just go, it, it'll know where to go. Not unless you tell it where to go. All right. <laughs> That's that aside. Anyway, Rick's in there, and the radio comes on, and hey, it's Glenn. It's Glenn, but we don't know it's Glenn yet. Oh, he says, "Hey, you dumbass in the tank." <laughs> <laughs> cozy in there? Yeah, cozy in there. <laughs> we cut to outside the tank, looking straight down as the camera pulls up, and we see a big crowd around the horse eating it. We see zombies everywhere. Yeah. And that's it. The only problem I had with that shot, which was awesome, the fact that it pulled way up like that, I thought it was great. And the music I thought was excellent. The only problem I have was uh, the zombies that weren't climbing the tank and the zombies that weren't eating the horse were very evenly spaced. Well, there was a lot all over. Yeah, I, mean, I just thought that there would be more clumping. <laughs> Maybe. They don't hold hands when they walk, you know. <laughs> I don't know, but they hang out in hordes. Yes, So they, they obviously like each other for some reason. I guess so. Yeah. Um, the song playing at the end there, in case anyone interested is interested, is Space Junk by Wang Chung. Oh, Wang Chung. There you go. <laughs> Maybe we'll play a little clip of that. God love Wang Chung. Um, so that's it. That is the first episode of The Walking Dead. I thought it was amazing. Did you think it was amazing? I thought it was amazing. I'm trying to read my <laughs> note here. I'm like, no lunkins? But it actually says no lurkers. But then I remember there was a lurker in the tank. Sorry. That's right. Momentarily distracted. No, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was expertly executed. I thought it was very well done, very well paced. I was worried about the pacing because, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. yeah, just uh, the long involved beginning with uh, you know intensity with a bunch of zombies at the end. I knew that that was coming, and I didn't know if the pacing would be even. But I thought the pacing was great. Thought the sparse use of, use of music was excellent. Yeah, that the was sound, really well. The well uh, score and the soundtrack was really really nicely done. You're yeah. right. And uh, most most excellent. <laughs> most excellent. I loved it. I can't really think of anything I, I didn't like. I mean, I'm curious about a couple things, like the helicopter and, and, and the scene where Rick almost shoots himself in the head under the tank. But you've, you've sold me on that now. You've convinced yeah. me on that, I think. And I think it was just really, really well done. Um, Andrew Lincoln did a fantastic job. I think so, too. As Rick Grimes. Even though there were a lot of other characters in this, it felt like a one-man show a little it bit. It did. You know, it was him reacting to this. I guess he was all by himself coming out of the hospital, uh, getting home. He has interactions with Morgan and Dwayne. Um, but even then, they were amazing. But even then, it feels like, you know, Rick was still just kind of figuring things out on his own. Yeah, we just it was an Obi-Kenobi character, right? He was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to teach you the ways of the Force, and uh, you go, uh, you know, fight the dark side. And then you go on and fight the dark side. Very good. Just like Han Solo when he came around the corner. Okay, there's lots of Star Wars references here. <laughs> well, <laughs> I am I have a feeling one or two people involved in this are probably Star Wars fans. You think Shane is uh, Chewbacca? <laughs> no, he's not. Or is uh, he Han Solo? Uh-oh. 
Uh, well, then we have to translate it into the Bible. <laughs> we'll do that later. Let's not do that. <laughs> let's not do that. Um, all the actors were great, especially especially Rick and especially uh, Lenny James, I think, oh, yeah. as Morgan. I really do hope we get to see more of him. Um, I can't think, really, of anything I, I didn't like here. Uh, it, it might be the the best pilot I've seen. Lost, I loved the pilot for Lost. Yes. <clears throat> Um, I I only had uh, two issues really. Mm-hmm. Uh, one like then there are minor little things like the magic hatch in the bottom of the tank was uh, the only the one thing that really really bugged me. And uh, when he was walking into Atlanta and he saw the burned out buses and all that kind of stuff, the uh, the short distance and the middle distance were all full of like a bunch of crap and all that kind of thing. But the far distance everything was clean. Did you notice that beyond a certain point? Oh, beyond a certain street there was nothing. And all no. of a sudden in this one spot was a whole bunch of crap. No, I didn't notice that, but I guess that's a a product of shooting on location. Yeah. You can't destroy well, you can't, the you entire can't, yeah, city. You can't do the whole city. You can only do so much, and uh, I think they did it really well. It's just that, uh, you know, I, I noticed things like that. At least it wasn't a matte painting, because sometimes they do that, and it just irritates the hell oh, out of me. There's nothing worse than matte paintings, yeah. I'll tell you. I'll take a look for that, because I'm going to watch it again, I'm for sure. sure. So I'll, t- I'll take a look for that. that. That, I don't know, maybe it'll bug me when I see it, but I don't know. <laughs> Um, so the zombies were amazing. They were. Uh, Melissa was fantastic as Bicycle Girl. Mm-hmm. Really, really creeped me out. But my favorite, uh, sequence in the entire thing was the sequence where we had Morgan trying to shoot his wife yeah. and Rick going back to shoot Bicycle Girl in the eye. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was a pretty powerful scene. It was really powerful, really emotional. The music was fantastic and it, it defined the characters as much as they could be in one episode, mm-hmm. I think. Especially, especially Morgan. But too bad we're not going to see him again. But Rick too, who yeah, I think we're going to see again. Yeah, we ho- hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. So there we go. Episode two is coming up next Sunday night at ten on AMC. Let's talk a little bit about what we're going to see in the second episode. Hold on, I got one. Do you have any general thoughts about this, or is that what we're talking about? Well, if yeah, if you got something else, do it. Well, the only question I have is uh, just about reality. Uh, do you think the military has plans for a zombie apocalypse? Like, actually just, you know, even for fun, as an exercise for students maybe, but just, you know, come up with a military plan for a zombie apocalypse where it doesn't even have to be a zombie apocalypse for a, an outbreak or, uh, you know, extremely widespread riots that happen all at once across the country. You think they, and they call it the zombie plan or maybe they hide it in something else, but... I my you know my uh feeling about the military is that they don't have that kind of a sense of humor. Well, I'm not so sure. What I know about the military is what I see in movies, yeah. all right? And they're all pricks. But they game things, right? There's there's a whole sure. there's the whole sections in the Pentagon that just come up with ideas for scenarios and they plan for them. Like they just come up with a game plan for any kind of scenario that they can think of. Okay. Because so I don't think the military is very good at thinking on their feet. Not in a strategic level. In a tactical level, yes, but at a strategic level, I think that they have to have a plan in place or they're screwed. Okay, maybe. I could see them having some, some sort of plan for mass rioting, widespread, yeah. complete anarchy rioting. You Look know, what the whole country in, is uh, in New Orleans when the when the dam broke. Like, it took them days to get down there, for crying out loud. And that's just a simple, hey, we got to get these people with this stuff from here to there. Oh, that's going to take three days. Right. Which means that they probably have plans for nothing. And if <laughs> and, and if there ever was a zombie outbreak or something similar, 
we'd all be screwed. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe even, you know, students at uh, some kind of war college are thinking, okay, zombies are very popular. Hey, you know, all these TV shows are putting the military in a bad light because they can't deal with this crap at all. So let's come up with a plan so that if ever it does happen, <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we got an idea of what to do. Maybe, students, sure. Uh, you know, nerds probably have done this. Yeah. You know, of which we are too. Well, I'm sure there's uh, military strategic planning nerds. <laughs> they probably think this stuff is great. It's like uh, playing games, but you play games with situations. It's, it, you game things. It's fun. Okay. Well, I, I don't know. I'd do it. I Sure. I, I might too, but I don't know in the real world if the, if the term zombie has actually come up <laughs> in a military uh, war room. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, military lexicon does not include easy words for things. It's probably plan, strategic, multi-situational, outbreak, uh, you know, whatever, plan B. Or they've got, uh, or zombie's an actual an acronym for something. <laughs> Dave, if you're listening, come up with an acronym Zoological, for zombie. <laughs> that's the only dead word other Why than not? zebra that I can think of. It's probably not zebra. <laughs> the zebras are overtaking. Uh, all right. That's it. That's fine. <laughs> That's all I wanted to talk about. Okay, well, I think that if there is ever a real zombie outbreak, I don't think the government knows what they're doing, and we're all screwed. Uh, I'm hoping. Can we talk about episode two We now? can talk about episode two. It's called Guts, and Guts. here's the episode recap, or at least the preview from amctv.com. Rick unknowingly causes a group of survivors to be trapped by walkers. The group dynamic devolves from accusations to violence as Rick must confront an enemy far more dangerous than the undead. Hmm. So, each other. Yeah, humans are very deadly. The humans aren't getting along, obviously, and he needs to bring them all together. Well, from what uh, <clears throat> from what I've seen in the uh, the trailer for episode two, he uh, he manages to piss off Andrea. Which yeah, he probably does. isn't a great idea. No, but she doesn't know how to shoot a gun yet. She'll learn. She will learn. And I'm sure that she and Rick probably become very close as maybe, the show goes on. Maybe if she doesn't know how to shoot a gun yet, she doesn't take the safety off and she tries to pull the trigger on Rick and it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That would be something. Yeah, that'd be very interesting. <laughs> so there was a video preview of the next episode that ran right after the first one. We see Rick running out of the tank through zombies, picking them off as he goes. He almost shoots Glenn. Yep. What does Glenn say? <laughs> Don't shoot, not dead, or something like Whoa, that. Whoa, not dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, Good old Glenn. Yeah, we see Shane talking to the rest of the group, saying, we can't go after them. We cannot risk the rest of the rest of the group. Still chicken shit. I guess so. <laughs> Doesn't want to move. You don't really seem to like Shane that much. Well, he's, he's a problem. Well, he's going to be a problem. Yeah. Uh, cut to Andrea and the group in the store, and she says, we're all dead, all of us. Um, and then we see them escaping in a truck and through the sewer. Nice. I have a feeling that the entire second episode is just them escaping from Atlanta. Getting out of Atlanta. Yeah. And, and getting then, in reunion. And reunion at the very end. That could be. At the very end. I thought maybe we'd there'd be more to it uh, because it's called Guts, so we also have the zombie gore smearing scenes as well so maybe rick meets up with glenn yep and um they're just together for a while they have to do the zombie smearing stuff 
and then they meet up with everybody else. Ooh, that, that would make me annoyed if they came into the store smeared in zombie, zombie guts. <laughs> yeah, really. You just led them here and you stink? <laughs> Man. <laughs> it's uh, not a good first impression. No, it is not. We're also introduced to some of the other new characters like T-Dog, T-Dog yep. and Jackie. And Jackie. I think. So that'll that'll be interesting. That'll be our first uh, new set of characters. Miranda. Other than the police officers, I guess. Yeah. What else we got? Miranda? Yeah. Who's she? T-Dog, Jackie. She's another one there. All right. So that'll be cool. Um, But yeah, I'm thinking the whole episode will be escaping, and then we get reunion at the end. I think so, too. And then we'll move on from there. Any other predictions or thoughts for episode two coming up? Uh, uh, Yeah, actually, episode two, it looks like uh, Merle, played by Michael Rooker, uh, takes over the camp. Did you see that? I didn't see that. It, uh, it, it Michael Rooker shows up and grabs somebody over the by the mouth and has a gun in his hand. So I think that the uh, the Vatos uh, show up and uh, overrun the camp where Shane and Lori and Carl are and uh, take over that camp. And that opens up that whole storyline. So we got a lot of conflict about to happen. Yeah, that's what I think. But then if there's reunion at the end, I'm not sure what's going to happen there. But I think there was a shot of him grabbing either Lori or somebody that was at that camp uh, over the mouth and by the head. Well, it, it can happen after reunion. Like, they can all come back and everything will be happy, and then But it, it said happens. it was taking place on the next episode. They showed that scene in the next episode clip. Oh, interesting. So I think that that's... Uh, I'm not... I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I think that that's going to happen in that episode as well. Well, maybe they're sort of replacing the tension caused by the Rick, Lori, Shane stuff with... Some some of these new characters, and they're gonna let Rick and Laurie and Shane bubble up for a while. You know, that'd be great. You know, I, I, I we know that's gonna happen. So there needs to be some sort of tension created. And if they bring these new characters in to do that, that's yep, that's what I'm thinking. All righty. So let's. Uh, you got anything else? Um, just on the not for the next episode. No. All right. We got some feedback. Oh, well, we? the season, the, the clips they showed this season on. Uh, uh, on The Walking Dead, just uh, you know, one thing that Rick says is, "Don't kill the living." Oh yeah, that was good. So that's rule number one. Don't kill the living. Don't kill the living. <laughs> Wonder if they'll break that rule in season one, or they'll, whether they'll wait till season two. Uh, you know, he breaks that rule pretty soon. I bet. Well, in the in the graphic novel, he broke it almost as soon as he made it. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, he makes that rule. It's like, okay, no matter what, we don't kill the living. The first thing he does is shoot Dexter in the head. <laughs> yeah, but only he knows. Well, for a while, Still. anyway. <laughs> All right, let's uh, do a little bit of feedback here. Kyle posted on our site a comment. He said, just finished watching the last episode, and by last he means first. Oh, my God, I cannot wait for the second episode. All right. So he loved it. <laughs> I think we're all in agreement there. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we have an email, not directly related to the premiere, but this is from Matt in California. He says, hey, guys, I love the show. Keep up the good work. There's an actor on the cast named Noel Gugliemi. I apologize if I pronounced that incorrectly. He is a really good actor and usually plays a Hispanic gang member. He is probably going to be a member of the Vato gang you were talking about. He was in The Shield and has been getting bigger and bigger roles in more and more films. Also, in reference to the Vato gang, it could be indeed a reference to the actual gang, but a very well may be used as a word to describe the type of gang. Out here in California, when you say he is a Vato, it is used to describe more of a style or culture than an actual gang. Oh. So. 
that's good information. <clears throat> could could be anything, really. Um, so thank you, Matt. We will look out for that. I don't think we're getting any Vato gang activity until episode four. Really? Because I've got... Uh, the, the one written by Robert Kirkman. Let me see here. So because I've got uh, Michael Rooker in six episodes, even though he doesn't show up in the first one, so what the hell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Daryl Dixon shows up, uh, which is... Okay, so Merle Dixon, Norman Reedus shows up in four episodes as... Uh, but they're not the gang members. Oh, then I don't know what the hell's going on. No, no, no. They're not the gang members. They are just other small town hicks that show up and don't well, seem overrun, to get along. They, I think they overrun the camp. I think that's the impression I got from the from the uh, trailers of what's coming up. Okay. Maybe. I, at some point, I think there's some resolution agreed or, you know, someone living is killed <laughs> and the camp comes back under the control of the characters we know and then they have to worry about this gang. All right. This Maybe they just gang. put that shot in the next on The Walking Dead but didn't really mean it. It's possible. They do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all righty. So how about, uh, Matt goes on to say he gave us a five-star review on iTunes. Jason, what about some other five-star reviews on iTunes? Well, we've got two five-star reviews. Uh, <clears throat> do you know which one was Matt? His, uh, did he give his name? Cause I've got one here from Kurt Factor X. That's not it. Uh, great show with great hosts. I love this show. It's very entertaining and informative. I've been a huge Walking Dead fan since the first trade and I can't wait until the TV series premieres. Well, there you go. Uh, Chris, Jason, and Dave do a great job with this show. They all seem like great guys. Keep up the good work, guys. That's awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. And we also have another one from DPMSAR15. That's uh, Matt. I don't know if you... Really? How do you know? He said that's his name. Oh, okay, good. Because uh, DPMSAR15 doesn't translate into Matt in uh, unless somebody <laughs> tells me that. All right. This show rocks. Five stars. Awesome show. The guys are funny, work well together, and really know about the about and enjoy the subject of The Walking Dead and the zombie apocalypse in general. Uh, I've listened to all of the current Walking Dead podcasts and love this one the best. When the dead rise, head down to Northern California, we're ready to roll. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Well, I plan on coming to Southern California next July That's, for some reason. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I'm so there. Which we can talk about more next year. Next year. Uh, all righty. So look. That is it. We've seen the first episode of The Walking Dead. Um, I don't know if it's the best show on TV, but I think it's my favorite show on TV. Well, what's your criteria for the best show? Isn't the the best <clears throat> show and your favorite show synonymous? Well, no. Speaking um, objectively, it might not be the best show on TV. I don't know. I mean, there are other there are a lot of criteria for going into that. But I'm referring back to the review that we mentioned a couple of weeks ago about right. it being the best show on TV. Well, it's got to be subjective. There's no objective view okay. to television. I agree. You're right. Uh, it's my favorite. <laughs> I can say that. Well, I'm going to... It's up there. You it's, know? Uh, it's pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. All three, or at least probably my top five favorite shows on TV right now, are from AMC. Really? Yeah. Mad Men, Breaking Bad, and Walking and Dead. And The Walking Dead. Robocon the... you haven't seen. No, haven't seen that yet, but I've heard it's good. Yeah, I fell, I watched. we watched the last episode a couple of nights ago. We fell asleep again. I don't know what it is about that show. <laughs> you got to watch it in the morning. i got to watch it sometime when I am not tired. Uh, but I think AMC has another hit on their hands with The Walking Dead. I'm very happy that it was so good. Yes. So I really, really hope people watch it. And the ratings are great. Uh, this we'll... is the replacement for Battlestar Galactica that I was looking for. Yeah? It really is. 
it's gritty. It's uh, apocalyptic. It's uh, dark. It's uh, you know, it's you know, it's, humans have to do whatever it takes to survive. They have to screw the rules. They have to throw things aside, normal conventions aside. They have to do all kinds of stuff, and it's uh, it's really, 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 really fantastic. I will check if I can the ratings for the first episode, and we'll report on them next week. See how it did. How do they record ratings? The Nielsen families. It's, a, it's still call up people and say, do you want to be a Nielsen family? And then they put a, well, a listening device in your TV? I don't know. There's uh, Yes, they do that still. So if you're a Nielsen family, I hope you watch The Walking Dead. They probably have other metrics they base it on too, like number of downloads for people who watched, who bought it from iTunes or other sources. Uh, and then, there, of course, there are the... And, and they probably, to be honest, have to estimate a certain amount of it. Right. Because they know if this many people watched it, well, one person can represent X number based on our calculations, and then they expand it from there. But You'd think the that hard the, numbers digital, are, uh, the digital boxes would have some kind of spying device built into them. Uh, there's also that, because I'm sure they probably do. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Some sort of They don't of have your device. personal information, but uh, we're providing feedback to the networks based on what you watch. Yeah, we know that you watch a lot of zombies and porno. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Porn is popular. I've heard that. I've heard that, too. So there you go. We'll try to find out what the ratings are for the show and maybe compare it to some other uh, big premieres. That'd be good. And see where we're sitting, So because hopefully it did really, really, really well. I know that I did not start watching Lost until about three quarters through the first season. And it survived. It did very well for itself. It sure did. I started watching Lost from day one, just sort of luckily. I was flipping around, and there it was. And yeah. I started and never <clears> looked back. The only danger with this show is that I like it, and I started from the beginning, which usually means it's going to get canceled. Because yeah. that's what happens in the past. Like Firefly? Firefly is a prime example of exactly just that. You were excited. You watched I was watched excited. It. I was like, this is the show I'm going to watch, and oh my God, it's great. You know, nine... Episodes later, it was canceled. Yeah. <laughs> too, that's too bad, But this really. is not on Fox. So they're not expecting Fox ratings. They're expecting AMC ratings, mm -hmm. which is good. And they are not. They don't have Fox executives with their head up their ass either. No, they do not, which is really, really good. Yeah, which is really good. Hopefully these AMC guys know what they're doing, and it seems like they do. They do. They picked up this show. Yeah. That's a boon in their favor for sure. Perfect. Let's wrap things up, shall All right, we? wrap it up. All right. Uh, it is... Next week with number 30. Hey, number 30. That'll be exciting when we talk about episode number two. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you want to contact us, I highly recommend you do so. Send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com, or even better, call the voicemail line, 206-202-1568. We'd love to hear what you thought of the episode. Oh, yeah. Get back to us for you sure. Know, we, need to, we need to hear and start a conversation and see what everyone thinks. We loved it. We're pretty sure that you loved it, but we still want to know. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash talking dead or facebook.com slash the talking dead, right? Correct. Okay. And is there anything else? I think no, that's it. That's it. Thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back next week with ba episode number 30 oh, of the talking dead. Sorry, I keep talking over you. Bye. <laughs> See you later. Bye.